Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good afternoon now. Um, it's my privilege to uh, introduce Steve McCullough to you. I've, I've known Steve for oh, a little over a year, almost two years now, I guess, and he and I work closely together in the Christian Chamber of Commerce and on Christian Business Values Radio. He's a key part of that, um, where on Sunday mornings, 8 to 8.30, you can hear Steve's voice and, and um, talk about a, a number of issues, in, talking to businessmen in the area about how they put their Christian witness to work. Um, and Steve, you know, came to this. He's now um, the, the local director for the C12 group here in Charleston. He's going to tell you a little bit about that um, as he comes up here. But, you know, I'd just like to, you know, knowing Steve and, and having heard him, he, he comes out of the oil industry and, he, and a lot of other industries. You know, he's had a long history of uh, executive leadership in various industries like the oil industry. And... You know, he followed God's word like a number of us have, but, but you know, God called him and said, I, I don't want you to be in that successful industry. I know you're in very impart, in, important part of that, but I want you to go somewhere else. And he followed that calling, and that calling led him to the C12 group, um, you know, to really witness to businessmen in a very practical manner about how they can effectively bring Jesus Christ into their work lives. And, um, you know, Steve is an active leader in his church. In fact, one of the things he's doing right now is to try to put together a businessman's group in his church, too, to really also begin to, to walk out the principles of Christianity in their work. He serves as a small group leader, uh, newcomer's ministry. He's married to the love of his life, uh, Stephanie, and they're blessed to have three children who are most of them are adults. There's one that's on the cusp, so they're almost empty nesters. So, and uh, he enjoys golf, and I mean, I didn't realize this. He stays fit by running, cycling, swimming, and he has done triathlons and marathons. So, a pretty fit guy, too. Please welcome Steve McCullough. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, gentlemen, for the invitation. Um, this is a real pri privilege. Yeah. So uh, I, I need to travel more with Joe. That was very good, Joe. You nailed it. Um, I uh, spoke with Hank, and uh, he, he invited me to, to participate today and, and uh, wish he could be here, and I uh, wish him well because he's under the weather. Um, it was kind of funny when, when he asked me initially to start to put together some thoughts on my story, and, and this is my story, and, and to me it, it's, uh, it's been powerful because it's been a, a transformational journey for me, and God has just done some great things. But I started to put together my, my thoughts, and I can have a tendency to be wordy. I can't say very entertaining all the time, but um, I started to put stuff together that looked like it was going to be about a 30 or 40 minute um, uh, uh, presentation. <clears throat> Hank later said, hey, Steve, keep it to 15 minutes. And I think he's thinking to himself, you're not that interesting. So, uh, uh, <clears throat> so but this is God's story as much as anything. And I thought what I would do is try to weave some of the highlights of my story um, into some lessons learned um, along the way, um, because I think that there are some powerful things we, that God teaches us through some hardship um, and twists and turns that um, if someone can benefit from it uh, and, and some of the scars that have uh, uh, followed uh, in my, my direction, in my path, um, I'd love to help prevent those. Um, the, the first was I, I grew up in Maryland uh, as an only child, had a great childhood. Um, the, the headline of this message is that there's a big difference between being a, a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Uh, 
in the Episcopal Church. Um, we were in church every Sunday. My, my parents were very involved. I remember going late nights, helping my dad buff the floors in the parish hall and do lots of work. So I had some great experience and, and exposure to the church. But I never really made it my own as a kid um, and as a young adult. And, and uh, honestly speaking, I'm glad the Lord uh, saved my life because I'm not sure if that my salvation was a lock. I, I was a good guy and I felt through good deeds um, that I, I, I'd go to heaven and I had a belief in God. I knew who Jesus was, but I had not accepted him as my savior. Um, so I try to share that with as many people as I can because I think the word tells us that we're gonna be surprised at how few people are actually in the kingdom. And I'd like to prevent that from happening if I can. Um, so it wasn't until my adult life that I actually accepted the Lord and everything changed. And <laughs> I can't wait to share with you some of this. Uh, I, Joe, uh, uh, Joe mentioned that I, I, sp I spent about 27 years in the oil industry. Um, I did not uh, do that when I was here in, in Charleston uh, for the most part. Um, uh, I spent most of my time with ExxonMobil and ConocoPhillips, uh, two of the largest uh, uh, global integrated uh, majors. Um, it was a great career. I learned so much. Um, I learned more about what not to do than what to do, if you know what I mean. Probably had 15 or 20 bosses along the way and probably only two. Uh, I can look back and say, man, they really inspired me. Um, and the, the connection with those two, later I look back and they were godly men. They were living it out <clears throat> through their management and love of their employees and love of me as, as their subordinate. So the message here is that um, in spite of their efforts, um, uh, the, uh, my takeaway is that we're not called to fit into a culture in, in our companies. We're, we're called to stand out. <clears throat> Throughout most of my career, I was asked to uh, really kind of fit into this template of a success, successful oil company executive. Uh, they, they had so many employees. I think ExxonMobil at the time had like 35 or 50,000 bazillion people, right? So they knew what it took to be successful in that industry. And, and they hired to that. Um, a lot of times they would select uh, athletes, uh, college athletes, uh, a lot of times engineers. I was neither of those. <laughs> so I, I kind of went in with this sort of insecurity that I had to make up for it in other means, and that was my behavior. So I acted like an oil man. Um, I tried to fit into this uh, culture, which was toxic, both literally and figuratively, right? Um, it was a difficult environment, but very competitive, and as long as you kind of fit their mold um, and performed, you had a chance to, to make some good money over time and probably be promoted every couple years. So that, that was kind of my path. However, in, in, in an effort to try to fit in, uh, I never felt comfortable. And when I look back after I accepted Christ, I can see why, because God was working par powerfully through me and was protecting me. His grace was so incredible. Um, I, I was rebelling, didn't know I was rebelling, but I was rebelling, I was running from him, yet he was trying to pull me back um, and, and, and prevent me from going down some really, really dangerous paths. And some of the stuff that we were actually rewarded for was how often you were in the bar after the hours, after hours, you know, drinking with the, the, the company folk. How, uh, how many women are you chasing at a time? The heck with your marriage, that's something that'll be there. Um, have some fun. Go, go, uh, um, go have fun. Language, um, lewd behavior. It was, it was just a nasty environment. The good news is that I, I, I went right to the edge of that uh, without really getting too consumed by it. It was never 
unfaithful to my wife. I, I was able to participate in these happy hours, but recognized that I, I, I needed to control myself. Uh, but man, was I, was I tempted. And it was really an ugly, ugly culture. And you were rewarded for it. So the more you participated in that, the more likely were you were to be promoted. And man, was I obsessed with that. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the second piece of, of the puzzle in my career is that I went from a healthy achievement mindset to an unhealthy idol. My, my, my career was really important to me and, and it reshaped the loves of my life. And um, again, God's grace saved me um, through that, all, that whole story. He was right there, I didn't even recognize it, but he was right there. So the, the, the message here is that have the right benchmarks. Because throughout my career, and business people, and I've heard other, other pastors and business leaders talk about this, Christ-centered leaders, you know, when, when we're in business and, and in our career path, we a lot of times have all, all kinds of benchmarks. You're trying to beat last month's numbers. You're trying to outperform last year's P&L. You're trying to out-advance your career from your, your peer. Uh, you wanted a bigger house. You wanted a, a nicer car than the guy. Sure, my... My marriage is better than theirs because I haven't cheated on my wife. So all these worldly, flesh-oriented benchmarks led me down a path of justification. Um, and what did that look like? Looked like for me it was the enemy's plan, and he, he had a hold of me. I didn't even know it. So here's how I justified my priorities. I put my career first because, gosh, it's, it's a godly thing to earn money for your family, save for retirement, you know, be a good steward with your money, Right? Save for your kid's college fund. You're only young once. I, I was given it my go. I was successful. It was a God-honoring uh, uh, career. Um, so I put that first, sadly. And I admit it. It was wrong. The second priority became my kids, right? Because I'm working so hard, probably working 60 to 70 hours a week. And, uh, you know, my kids are only young once. So, gosh, when I'm home and in the evenings, I better pour into them. And I, I thought that was God-honoring, right? You can see kind of the justification of this, how the enemy is convincing me um, that I'm doing the right thing according to God's plan, but they're radically wrong. The third priority was my wife. So she got some of the scraps uh, of time after um, my kids and my career. And last was God, because I was, it was a, something I did on, on Sundays. That was it. You know, there's a wall between Sunday and Monday, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I wasn't even in church every Sunday. So I put my career first, my children second, my wife third, and God fourth. Any, any, anybody see anything wrong with that priority set? It's upside down. And I'm telling you guys, I was convinced I was right. I was convinced I was right. Earn money while you can. Take care of your kids while they're young. Your wife, you got a covenant marriage. It'll be there until, for the, sure, we can manage, put it on autopilot for 17, 18 years before the kids get out of the house, and then I'll focus on my marriage. Uh, well, unfortunately, my wife found love someplace else, <laughs> and I'm a product of a, divorce, a broken home. Uh, my kids are a product of a broken home. So that was a painful lesson, but God met me right there. So the question that I have for you, and we don't... I, probably don't have time to talk about it, but ponder this. At what point does a, a passion become an idol? Do you know that trigger point? Um, Tim, uh, Tim Keller uh, has a great quote. 
and I think it was from Every Good Endeavor, he says, an idolatrous attachment can lead you to break any promise, rationalize any indiscretion, or betray any other allegiance in order to hold on to it. It may drive you to violate all good and proper boundaries. And that's really the truth. Um, to me, understanding where that trigger happens between passion and, and idol worship is important. Um, and I, I crossed that barrier and didn't even see it. When I look back, it's as clear as day. Romans 8, 6 comes to mind where it says, the mind of the flesh is death, the mind of the spirit is joy and peace. And I wasn't being led by the spirit. My benchmark was my neighbor, worldly stuff. My benchmark wasn't God's truth. So as, as I become more mature in Christ, that's a huge takeaway for me today, is that am I really walking with the right benchmarks? My fourth point is, is God's plan is good. God's plan is God's plan, and he's patient. <laughs> more patient than he should have been with me, I'll just tell you that. Um, his timing is perfect. Back when I was in Northern Virginia working for ExxonMobil, I was in an Episcopal church with my wife and family, and I can remember... Gosh, we were, we were sitting in a side pew watching um, the altar kind of from the side angle. I mean, I can just picture the, the absolute uh, moment in time. And I watched the procession uh, come down the, the aisle, and I, I noticed there was a guy that was not familiar with me, and I wasn't in church every week, but um, he was new to me and appeared to be new to the, to the uh, uh, church. And he was a guy that looked like me walk like me, talk like me. He was preaching the sermon that day. And I got this elbow in my side. It wasn't my wife, it was the Holy Spirit. Here, I, I wasn't even saved. I was barely in church. I wasn't leading my family very well. And the Holy Spirit gave me this overwhelming sense that he wanted me in ministry. I'm like, whoa! Like, you have, and I, honestly, I was beginning to have this conversation. Like, you realize that I'm in the oil business and, man, I'm earning money and you want me to do this? And I thought that I was going crazy, and I just sort of packed that away over the next few days, and I began to really have this conversation with the Lord, and really I started negotiating with him, and who's negotiated with him in the past, and that did not go very well, so, because I said, well, okay, let me start to, to get my calculator out. If I, if I got this kind of money in my 401k and my bank account, and if I really wanted to be obedient, Maybe I could save well, and maybe in a couple of years I could maybe step into this. And then he's like, you're not ready. So he moved on. I moved on. I continued to advance my career. I continued to live by the world. I, I, I slowly walked closer to him during that time. And then about eight years, uh, eight years ago, I, I accepted the Lord in my life. It was after my, my divorce. It was a painful time. He met me right, right there. Excuse me. And it was easy to point to my ex-wife because she had violated our, our covenant marriage. But God said to me, he said, Steve, you've done worse. Man, that was a turning point for me. Pardon me. And uh, my life changed after that moment. I accepted Christ at that point. I got baptized and everything started to change. And I remember one day I was out on a run. I couldn't wait to get back home and share the news with somebody. He was starting to move on my heart. 
the seed that he planted 15 years ago started to grow. Almost to the week that I accepted him as my Savior. So there is hope for everybody. <laughs> and uh, the seed that he, that he planted was ministry. And at the time when I was back in Northern Virginia, I was so immature, I didn't know that I could fulfill the idea of ministry through a different means. And he started to work on my heart on the idea that the workplace was a dynamic uh, and unique place to meet, to have others see Christ in us and in the businesses we run. And um, this started to take form like a like cr- the crazy. I mean, Google. They say, like, "What do you what do you do when you think you're being called to something?" So Google had the right answer. He said, "Start talking to people. Start praying about it. Start looking for, in God's Word for affirmation. Just be notice what people He put in front of you." And that was really cool. But I was still in this oil business, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe my call is through the company that I was running at that time. And that, that's a valid place. But I started to talk out what the, the idea of what God placed on my heart was he gave me a heart for ministry. He gave me this wonderful business and leadership experience. He gave me some skills that I can communicate with people and lead people. This Venn diagram, and I'm a strategic guy, so I like visuals. So this Venn diagram, that little overlapping space is the sweet spot. And I started to talk to people about that sweet spot. I'm like, what can I do with that? What does this mean? Does it mean that I start some sort of a workplace ministry at church? Does it mean that I start a Bible study in the company that I was working at? Do I start to try to inspire the board around a God-honoring mission statement? I didn't know what that meant. I crossed paths with the guy that coached people in their careers. And he says, you know, I happened to be at a conference where he was. And he said, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. I got a job, but, you know, my wife suggested that I come to this. And here you are. Here I am. I'm not sure what to do about it. I was being called that I needed to start to connect in Charleston for some reason with people because I was on an airplane every week. So I'd come home on the weekends. I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty cool city I live in. <laughs> I wish I spent some more time here. And uh, so I, God started opening doors, and I, I met with this gentleman. Um, as some of you might know Butch Howard. Butch knows what he's doing when it comes to people's careers. And he looked at my disc assessment, and he says, what's on your heart? Tell me what you want to do. I said, well, I'm not sure what I, want, what I want to do, but I shared with him my Venn diagram, and he says, I know exactly what you need to do. This is within the first five minutes. I mean, this is something I've been wrestling with for 15 years. So when God puts somebody in front of you, pay attention because he can speak through them so clearly. So he says, I think you need to check out the C12 group. And I'm like, what's the C12 group? I've never heard of them. He goes, well, I think they're looking for you. I'm like, what? So I started to unpack this. I did research. Um, I met with Butch again. I came home and told my wife, who I had not been married to very long, and I said, guess what, honey? This career and <clears throat> you know stability that you had, I think God's calling me to quit my job. And she's like, what? You're crazy. So uh, I kind of had to prove it to her and through prayer and, and about a year's period of time, we, we stepped into this um, really a, a full-time workplace um, movement. And I'm joining forces with friends in this area, Joe and Doug Hunter and many others, Jamie Jordan, <clears throat> on this effort to really show people what it looks to be Christ in the workplace. I was inspired before I took the jump in the C12 uh, by my company. Uh, we had, we were, had a majority owner who was a Christian guy. 
He, he uh, uh, from all uh, visible signs in his personal life, he did, a, he did some great work for the Lord. He made a lot of money. He did give some of it away. I don't know how much, but uh, I didn't see that manifest itself in the business. And I, I started to ask the questions like, why? I didn't understand why the business was off limits, yet his personal life was completely within the bounds of his Christian faith. So we started to really uh, talk about it, my wife and I, and I felt God's absolute call to say, what if we could actually change the world through Christian business leaders that will boldly integrate their faith into their business? Why wouldn't God's word be good for business? It's good for our personal lives, good for our families. Why wouldn't it be good for our, for our businesses? So, and I, I just didn't understand, and that's what C12 is all about. Um, I uh, have been a part of this um, journey for the last two and a half years. I stepped out of industry. Lots of God stories. He sold two houses for me uh, in, in, a, in a good market, but he gave me a financial runway to start um, because these are our own practices. I uh, do C12 in, in uh, Charleston and Savannah. Um, Along the way, a couple books that I wanted to share with you that, that were very inspirational to me. The first one was Henry, Black, uh, Henry Blackaby's Spiritual Leadership, probably the best leadership book I've ever read. Um, it's how do you move according to God's plan. And uh, it it's just, was a powerful representation to me that we need God in the workplace. We need God in business leaders um, leading companies. The other was Halftime by Bob Buford. Um, I, was, I thought I was successful, um, but I was less than significant. So his idea was, was moving people at a halfway point in their life. To me, I was more than halfway through my life, uh, but moving into uh, an area of significance. And the last, the last book, um, uh, and, and uh, probably one of the most formative, was Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Um, again, transformative to my walk. So what is C12? Um, C12 is the fulfillment of my little sweet spot in my Venn diagram. Um, we sit at the, the, uh, the intersection of uh, business and ministry. Uh, our, our mission is to help equip business owners and CEOs to build great businesses for a greater purpose. So not only do we equip people from a business standpoint, but we line it up with God's word. So we, might, we may take a business topic like pricing what does God's word, God's word say about pricing? Well, God says a lot about profits. He says a lot about margin and, and what you're supposed to do with that margin. Um, so there is some great dialogue in our boardrooms. Um, the other piece of it is that we know that we've been called to this moment in time, whether we like it or not, to run these businesses. So what purpose, what intent for the kingdom is there in us managing these companies so that we help, we help business leaders and, and CEOs connect with God's purpose for their business. So I get to do this for a living. I mean, it's really fun. It, it's a perfect uh, union of my, my skills, my experience, and, and uh, produces, I think, some, we're, we're beginning to see some real kingdom value in what we do. So the mission is to equip bus, uh, business owners and CEOs for, uh, to, to build great businesses for a greater purpose. The vision is, frankly, to uh, change the world, just a little vision change the world through bringing the gospel to the marketplace. And those are some things I can get behind. It's, it's a, it, it really helps me every day. If I'm not having a great morning, 
to refocus on that type of a purpose, um, that's a lot of fun, I can tell you. Um, I'll close with one, one God story that was really crazy. So this one is, is representative of God having a sense of humor. So if I hadn't had so many um, affirmations in my walk at unpacking what C12 might be for me as a second career, <laughs> I, it would, so I, sometimes I'm a little bit slow on the uptake. So um, God had really given me the vision for this thing back 15 years ago and then just through the Holy Spirit. And we remind people, our business owners, that God can talk to us five, five different ways through his word, prayer, wisdom of others, the Holy Spirit and circumstance. And he was screaming at me in all these. But I'm like, okay, God, my wife is a little nervous. She's wired with security like most women are. And I want to be honoring to her. Could you please tell me one last time that this is for me? So that was my prayer one week. The following week, I'm coming back home through Atlanta, world's busiest airport. You could not find somebody in Atlanta if you were trying, right, in that airport. Anybody been there? Friday afternoon, coming back, about 4 o'clock, I'm waiting for my connection. I'm on my phone, and I happen to look up, and I'm looking at a C12 logo walking down the concourse. I'm like, that's weird. I've seen that on the websites. I've seen it on letterhead because I'd go, I was going through the vetting process of them approving me as a chair. And I'm thinking, all right, well, so that's either just a fantasy 12 or maybe a member or maybe a chair, which I am. There's about 100 people around the country that do what I do. And um, as that person, gosh, he was probably, when I saw it, he was probably 100, 100 feet away. As I look closer, that, it was the founder of C12, Buck Jacobs, and personal friend of Doug Hunter's. So uh, um, Buck's an amazing guy, but I'm like, okay. And I looked, <laughs> I looked up, I said, you have got a sense of humor. He arranged to have the founder of the company that he was so desperately wanting me to see in the Atlanta airport that day. I couldn't believe it. I didn't cry that day because I didn't really know the significance. I just, I just gave up, came up to Buck, and I said, Buck, God's opened the door. He goes, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> in fact, I think I called him Mr. Jacobs, and he says, what's your story? And I said, God arranged this now. That was three years ago in March, and Buck has sent me a note every, every year. He says, remember three years ago or two years ago or one year ago, we met, had a chance meeting in Atlanta. So at, at that point, after I saw Buck off to his flight, I called my wife. I said, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> so a new chapter started. So that's my story, guys. Um, I've kind of violated my time contract by four minutes. I apologize for that. But I appreciate the opportunity to, to share this with you. And um, um, I uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Steve, for sharing your story and sharing from your heart, giving us a lot of things to think about. Uh, remember, we're here the first Wednesday every month and uh, look forward to having you join us next time. Do it. All right, so we will uh, be here uh, next month, first Wednesday, with another delicious meal and inspiring speaker. 
And we're going to close with the word of prayer, so if you'd please bow your heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you work in our lives in ways that are beyond our comprehension. Lord, we pray that you would help all of us to consider where our priorities lie. We pray that you would help all of us to become aware of where your spirit is speaking into us and challenging us to trust you in new and more meaningful ways. Lord, we pray that you would help all of us to live out our faith in you as we go through the work to which you have called us. And now as we prepare to go, uh, we offer this blessing. May the peace of the Lord be always with you and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.